celebration of marriage, and so I continue that today. Please open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5. In your insert there, I put a misprint. I apologize for that. Uh, I'll be dealing with verses 21 to 33 of chapter 5. And uh, probably refer back to, well, I will refer back to another passage as well. So uh, please open your Bibles and it would be good to have them on your lap as I go through uh, this portion of Scripture. Uh, What I'm going to be presenting you today is uh, my view of marriage. Uh, It's uh, something that uh, I have counseled uh, hundreds of couples over my ministry and uh, it's what I use in my pre-marriage counseling ministry. Uh, I invite you to be Bereans, uh, to check me out and to, to think about it. And uh, we look forward to a discussion about some of these ideas in cross-training uh, right after church. I think everyone in the sound of my voice will admit, hopefully reluctantly, Uh, that the priority in relationships given to the institution of marriage is in decline in our culture. In 1970, 89% of all births were to couples who were married. Today, it's 60%. In 1960, 72% of American adults were married. Today, 50%. The divorce rate today is double what it was in 1960. And it is not uncommon for couples to live together, buy a house, even have children, and not be married. But any forecast of the decline and the demise of marriage is premature in my view. Because an overwhelming percent of Christian couples say that they are very happy being married. Over 80% polled, church-going and non-church-going, state that they feel that marriage should be a lifelong union. So despite all the shots taken at marriage, the truth is there's much to celebrate in marriage. And that's what I want to talk about today. Celebrating marriage. Now I know that not everyone here is married. There are teenagers and singles who are looking forward to marriage. And so I encourage you to listen carefully. Think about what I say concerning your future. Then there are widows and widowers who remember long and happy marriages who are here today by themselves. Perhaps you will have the opportunity to speak into the lives of your grandchildren or Happily, maybe have an opportunity to mentor some younger couples who are married that you can take under your wing and walk them through the various things that you have learned about marriage. Some are recovering from divorce, the most difficult and painful experience in life other than the death of a child. For you, may God's healing be yours. And for now, here is how you might pray for your brothers and sisters. These things being said, it is nonetheless important for us to discuss the most fundamental relationship in the body of Christ, and that is the union of one man and one woman. 
We set the foundation last week by looking at Adam and Eve. Friendship, physical intimacy, transparency, and commitment. That's the foundation upon which we can build a strong marriage that we can celebrate. But may I ask you today, how many of you who are married are celebrating your marriage today? Are you celebrating it? Are you saying, wow, it's awesome that I'm married? Well, here's how you can experience marriage so that you can celebrate marriage. I refer to you, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 33. Hear the word of the Lord. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water, through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. And then a passage that we read last week. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. From these verses, I see two disciplines that facilitate celebration in marriage. Two disciplines. The first one is found in verse 21. A mutual pursuit of Jesus. A mutual pursuit of Jesus. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now here's the context. This command is really a fifth in a series of phrases that indicate the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's go back just a few verses in this passage and begin with verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, beginning with verse 19, we find out what it means to be, what happens when a person is filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing, making music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. These are five areas, not the only areas, but the ones that Paul has outlined for us in this passage of what it means to be filled with the Spirit. They're not the only areas but they're areas that he's identified. One, 
When you're filled with the Spirit, you will speak to one another biblically. Two, when you're filled with the Spirit, you will be singing. Three, when you're filled with the Spirit, you'll be making melody music in your hearts. Four, when you're filled with the Spirit, you will be giving thanks. And five, when you're filled with the Spirit, you will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The grammar demands that all five of these practices relate back to what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This final one, being filled with the Holy Spirit, is submission. Now, the rest of chapter 5 and the first nine verses of chapter 6, then, outlines this idea of submission, first of all, in marriage, verses 22 to 33. Secondly, submission in parenting, chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. And thirdly, submission between masters and servants. And here, the word servant is bond servant. Someone who voluntarily attaches himself to someone else to serve them voluntarily, kind of like attaching ourselves to an employer. In that relationship, submission also is an indication of being filled with the Spirit. Now, let's talk about this S word. Because <laughs> this S word is emotionally charged. Sometimes reflecting personal pain. Sometimes misunderstood. Nonetheless, it is in the text. Literally, it means an assumption of roles in a context. This means that there is an element of following. It means there is recognition and looking to an established order. It could be summarized that following leadership or acknowledging that another has a role where one leads and one follows. And in order for that to happen, we must practice submission. Now, C.S. Lewis writes about a trap that we fall into when we talk about this idea of submission. It means taking part of a reality and making it the whole of the reality. Taking one truth and making it the only truth. This happened in the Garden of Eden, where Satan came to Eve and took one truth that God gave her and made it the only truth. What did God say? Well, you can eat of any tree in the garden, but don't eat of this one tree. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, here's what Satan said. Did God say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Well, God didn't say that. But that's the temptation that he planted in Eve's mind so that she took one truth, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and she made it the whole truth. Don't eat any tree. The temptation was to make God, who in reality is a loving father, a great provider, into the great forbidder. <laughs> and so he created a distortion of reality and he invited Adam and Eve into it. Now the application, I think, to marriage is 
important for us to understand. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. But now I just want to talk about submission in relationships. Marriage, parenting, servant-master relationships. The Bible teaches that the father gives a instruction and makes a distinction about roles. The father is the leader, the recognized leader of the son, and the son acknowledges that role, that relationship, and he submits to the father. Thus the father sends, the son empties himself, and follows the, the, the role that he is given and submits to the incarnation and to the cross. So it's no surprise that Paul then adds that practicing submission in these areas, being filled with the Spirit, practicing submission, is out of reverence for Christ who modeled submission to his role. See, God has established roles in the home, in parenting. He's established them. And he says, submit to those roles. He's established roles in the workplace. He says, submit to those roles. And he's established roles in marriage. And so I would suggest to you that we submit to our roles in marriage out of reverence for Christ, and when we practice this submission together as husbands and wives, we are mutually pursuing Jesus. We're following his example. We are recognizing roles and we are submitting to them husbands and wives, parents and children, bond servants or employees, and Employers, bosses. And so I suggest to you that that's the context that Paul sets for talking about marriage. He's talking about pursuing Jesus, following his example, recognizing that there are roles in life. And so then I would suggest, number two, that celebrating marriage recognizing these roles and submitting to these roles, Paul tells us a mutual commitment to help one another succeed in that role will cause the relationship to succeed. A mutual commitment to help each other succeed in the roles that God has given us. Now, a completed pass in football does not rest only on the quarterback. You see, the center has to get the ball to him. So he's got a role. The line has to block the people that want to rip the quarterback's head off. (laughs) They have a role. The wide receiver or whoever receives the pass has to get open. And then when the ball is passed him, he's got to catch it. And when all of that works together, we say, well, what an awesome quarterback. (laughs) But we forget that unless everybody is involved in the process, the quarterback is not going to succeed. So I would suggest to you that success in marriage, in the home, 
in the workplace depends on everybody helping each other succeed in the role that God has stated for us in his word. What is the core role of the husband in a relationship? This is the role of the husband in a marriage relationship. The core role of the husband in the relationship is to sacrificially love his wife. That's what the husband's supposed to do. Not just love her, not just be devoted to her, but to love her sacrificially. Once again, this is our model in Jesus. Husband loves your wives just as Jesus loved the church. And we read about how he sacrificed for us. We've, we've sung about how he sacrifices for us. How he loves us with an everlasting love. Now that's a high bar for us men. Really high bar. But that's the race we run. And that's the race we are dedicated to win. To sacrifice. For our wives. Not just do things that make her happy. It's easy to do that. But to deny ourselves for her well-being. To recognize seasons in our family. And adjust our energy accordingly. To put her and our families ahead of our own pursuits, and to give of ourselves. Oh, I'm too tired. Yesterday morning, I was back in Beaver Dam, and we got about four inches of snow. I got up in the morning. I was tired. I cleaned off the driveway. I went out and did the dishes, and I made her coffee. I gave her coffee in bed. Now, that's not to shout my praises. It's just what I've learned over 40 years of marriage. God is expects, he expects me to deny myself, to sacrifice for her. Here's a, here's a question for you. Let's say that the ideal husband and the ideal wife and the Easter bunny are about to cross the street. Which one should go first? Which one should go first? Well, guess what? There's no such thing as an ideal husband. There's no such thing as an ideal wife. And so let's put the Easter Bunny to go first. My second point is, ladies, if you want to help your husbands become the ideal husband, help him succeed. Help him succeed. And the Bible tells us that we help our husbands succeed by submitting to them. Verse 21. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Here's that S word again. By this time, we have a specific application applied to marriage. It's part of reality. It's one truth. In the marriage. It's not the whole truth in marriage, but it's one truth in marriage. I remind us 
that this idea is in the context of everything we discussed last week, developing friendship, physical intimacy, being transparent with one another, commitment with one another. And as we understand all those things, there's one element that, we, that Paul says will help our husbands succeed in developing those things in our marriage, and that is if wife begins to submit to him. Further, in this context, it's in the admonition of husbands sacrificially loving his wife. So if we make submission the whole truth about the biblical view of women in marriage, we would wrongly, wrongly say the Bible teaches that women are inferior to men. We would say wrongly that women are to be subservient to men. We would say wrongly that women are objects of the whims and fantasy of men and that allows them to neglect and discriminate and abuse women. That is absolute nonsense. But that's what happens if we take one truth and make it the whole truth. It's not the whole truth, but it is one truth. And I would suggest to you that as wives get a handle on what this means, it will help their husbands to succeed in sacrificially loving them. Finally, I want to just remind you, submission is not the core role for a wife. In fact, it's not even an active role. Because it's impossible to submit unless somebody else does something first. <laughs> Wives, you, you cannot help your husband succeed in his leadership unless he leads. We're going to get to that in just a minute. And so submission is not the core role. That's not what the Bible teaches. 1 Peter chapter 3 specifically says that wives are joint heirs with their husbands of the gracious gift of life, that husbands are to live with their wives in an understanding way and prefer and give them deference in the relationship. Nonetheless, submission for a wife is a lifestyle that's part of the relationship. And so I would suggest to you that submission is a response to the husband's efforts to sacrificially love his husband by submitting to him. And I would suggest that submission is a response of appreciation to his efforts of sacrificial love. Love. So, ladies, here's what I've learned in 45 years of marriage. Number one, appreciate your husband's desire to work and achieve and make decisions. Appreciate him. He wants to make decisions. Men are they're decisive. We, we, we like to make decisions. That doesn't mean let your husbands make bad decisions. That would be irresponsible but appreciate his desire and enter in to the decisions with him. And then, if you make a decision together and it turns out to be a bad decision, never ever say these words. And you know what I'm going to say. I told you so. See, if you don't say those words, I would suggest to you that that's practicing submission. And that's helping him 
to succeed. Giving him the desire to lead again in the next relationship, next decision. Secondly, appreciate his desire to provide and protect. That's just built into a man. We want to provide for our families. Doesn't mean that we have to be the primary breadwinner. Some of us aren't. That's totally fine. But yet, we have a desire to be the stabilizing force in our homes and to provide security. Men have a drive to be responsible for their families. And when a wife affirms this desire, I would suggest that submission. Third, appreciate his desire for shoulder-to-shoulder companionship. Now, we talked last week a little bit about what friendship is, and that means I suggested that you need to have something that you can pursue together. Okay, But, you know, there are times when it's appropriate for a wife to enter into her husband's life and a time for a husband to enter into his wife's life. Um, I enter into my wife's life by watching The Voice on TV and by watching the, the Christian Music Association award shows. She loves Christian music. Not me, but I enter into her life. And I love to go fishing. And so we've figured out a way for my wife to go fishing with me. She doesn't like to go fishing, but she loves being outside in nature. So we take a lawn chair, put the lawn chair in the boat. She sits in the lawn chair and she reads her books while I'm in the front fishing. Shoulder-to-shoulder companionship. She appreciates my desire just to have her with me. I want her with me. And when she does that, she helps me succeed. And that's submission. So, to summarize, husbands, sacrificially love your wives. That's your core responsibility. And wives, help them succeed by submitting. Now, what's the core role of the wife? I would suggest that the core role of the wife is to respect her husband. Verse 33, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. (laughs) Now, it's common for wives to say, you know, I love my husband, but I don't respect him. I can give him affection, I can serve him, I can even sacrifice him, but I don't respect him, he's such a bonehead. (laughs) Do you know how men are portrayed on sitcoms? Doesn't that make you angry? It makes me angry. Men in sitcoms are just doofuses. That's, that's just, it drives me nuts. I suggest that the, the, the deepest longing in the heart of a man is to feel like his wife's knight in shining armor. And to experience her looking up to him in admiration, to see her honor him in front of their kids and their, fran- their friends, that's, That's respecting. That's her core role. Respect her husband. And I would suggest that a very simple way to do that is just to tell him. Find something about him that you can say, you know, you're really good at that. I I really admire the way you run your business. I I really think you're really good at being a father. 
Boy, I saw the way you, you handled our son yesterday. That was really cool. Way to go. You see, telling him that, that you respect him, building him up for what he's good at. And when wives communicate and demonstrate respect, they fulfill their core role as wives. So, how can husbands help their wives succeed in showing them respect? I've got some ideas. Husbands help his wife respect him by being her security. Look at verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. And you've heard me say over and over again that what brings me the greatest joy in life is for me to feel and watch my wife feel safe with me. When she does that, it just it nurtures her respect of me. And it's easy for her to tell me that she admires things that I'm good at. See, God created men to lead, to take the initiative in nurturing their marriage. This idea of being the head is not talking about being bossy and giving orders. Never. It's talking about taking responsibility for the health of the marriage relationship as well as for the health of the family. And good leaders nurture security in those they lead. And when you nurture security in your family, your wife will respect you couple of ways, real quickly, and, and then I'll close. One, contribute to the relationship, guys. Your wife wants you not only to be there, but to be there. You know what I mean? They want you to be there. It's like, it's like a child who, who comes up to dad and takes his face in her arm and in her hand and turns his face to them and just, she wants you to be there. That's what our wives want. And you'll help her succeed in her relationship with you if you are there. If you turn off the TV when she wants to talk about something. When you're talking on the telephone long distance, I turn the TV off. Because she can tell if I'm watching TV. Even if 150 miles away. She, you got the TV on, don't you? <laughs> she knows. She wants me there. Second, be open. Be open. She wants you to be transparent with her. Tell her about your struggles. Tell her about your, your pain when growing up. Tell her about how you didn't feel loved by your dad. Tell her about your, your heart, your emotions, the why of your emotions. And gentlemen, please don't get defensive when they know more than you do. It happens a lot with me. My wife knows, knows a lot more than I do in some areas. Don't get defensive. Third, demonstrate understanding. And here's something we could talk about for hours. Your wife does not feel you understand her until... She until you understand that she understands you. She has to be convinced that you understand her before you understand her. Oh, I get it. I get it. You do. And she goes, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. And you've got to be able to say to her, 
Now, I think you understood what I said, but do you really understand? You don't understand your wife until, she's, until you're convinced that she understands you. And that's part of building up a relationship so that she'll respect you. She knows that you really care about understanding her. That, that you're willing to make sure that she's convinced that you understand her. And finally, put your priority in your family. I'll tell you what, guys, and I think you probably know this, the best way to love your wife, the best way to get your wife to love and respect you is to love her children. There's nothing like a mother's love for her children. There's, there's, there's no power on earth. Nuclear bomb is not more powerful than a mother's love for her children. And if you want to gain her respect, you love her children. Now, I know they're your children, too. But boy, oh boy, pouring your life into your children, your wives will step back and they'll look at you and they'll go, man, I love that guy. <laughs> man, I respect that guy. Wives, am I right? Wives, respect your husbands. Husbands, help her succeed by helping them feel secure. Well, I close with an illustration from a very well-known marriage consultant. His name is Emerson Eckrich. Emerson Eckrich talks about the crazy cycle. The crazy cycle is this. Wives want to feel loved and cherished by their husbands, so they nag him. They nag him in order to motivate their husband to sacrifice for him. And husbands overpower and put women in their place in order to get respect for them. And so if the wife doesn't feel loved, she nags harder. And if the husband doesn't feel respected, he pushes harder. And there's a cycle that just goes downward and downward and downward and it gets worse and worse and worse. Emerson Eckridge says, no, energize your relationship. An energizing cycle means that you make it a top priority to pursue Jesus together. Pursue Jesus together. And then grow in your fulfilling your core role and help your spouse succeed in theirs. And when you begin to put the other first, when you begin to help them succeed in their role, guess what's going to happen? It comes back to us. When you help your husband succeed, ladies, what happens? They love and sacrifice with you more. Gentlemen, if you help your wife succeed, guess what? They'll grow in admiration for you. And then you know what happens? Then we can truly celebrate in our marriage. And you know what that looks like? It looks like this last slide. <laughs> That's what we want. That's what we want in a Christian home. Shall we pray? Lord, this is one model. And I pray that you'd give us, give us the um, insights to check it out, to study it, to think about it. And Lord, if there's something that you have laid on our heart that you affirm is something we need to do, God, I pray that we would, out of reverence for Christ, do it. 
Please give us your grace as we apply your grace to our own weaknesses and failures. Lord, a Christian marriage is made up of a sinful husband married to a sinful wife living in a sinful world. Oh, how we need Jesus. Oh, how we need Jesus.